0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now, let's join our guest speaker. How are we doing, everybody? Good? All right. So, this week, I'm going to be talking about God's heart. Um, We've been in this series. Pastor Willie's done a couple on this. Um, He talked about variety and um, God speaking to individual persons. Um, and how he loves a lot of that variety in us, Um, and and also talking about the differences between people. Um, I'm going to continue that, but focus on God going after the one. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15 um, in the Bible, for those of you who want to turn to it. Um, So this is uh, starting, Jesus is speaking a few parables, um, and we get to see a really good look at God's heart. Um, now, in verses 1 and 2, we'll just read through that. Um, this is why he starts speaking this. Luke 15:1 through 2. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, the word here, that, that grumbling, is like muttering under your breath. <clears throat> Can't believe he's doing that. Did you see him? He was sitting there with mark that crazy tax collector he stole all my money last week did you see him he was out with that prostitute i know he sat down and actually ate with her that's crazy that's that's the type of grumbling and here this uh the verse where it says this man receives the the greek word for that is not just you know like um oh hey come on let me talk to you and whatever it, this is a welcoming into the home. This is like a, uh, he, I mean, here it says, and, and eats with him. Back then that would have been very specific. But it brings a idea of welcoming. Jesus didn't just sit down, hey, here's your meal, and we'll eat separately at the same table. No, he sat there. He spoke with them. He had stories to share. He listened to them sharing their stories. That's that receiving that they're talking about. And this disgusts the Pharisees. They can't believe that. How could he sit and be welcome to other sinners? That's absolutely unclean. How could he do that? And here, Jesus, in welcoming those sinners, he uh, shares a little bit about this. Um, But I wanted to also talk about what it means to share a meal with somebody. Um, this This is something that I don't know. It's kind of been drilled into my head. Um, coming, growing up the way that I grew up, we always ate meals together as a family. And uh, in about 2011, a study came out uh, that said teens who are, have fewer than three family dinners a week are three and a half times more likely to have abused prescription drugs, uh, are three times as likely... To uh, smoke marijuana, three times as likely to, or two and a half times more likely to have smoked cigarettes, and one and a half times more likely to have tried alcohol. So, there there is something to enjoying a meal together. The reason why they go out and try all of these things is because they're missing something. Um, I know that a lot of times, me growing up, um, when I ran into situations like this. Um, and left at a Christian private high school, (laughs) there was a lot of push to, um, it was kind of like a college preparatory school, there was a lot of push to try um, like performance enhancing drugs, not just on the field, but also in math class. So um, a lot of things that kind of just help stimulate mental ability, um, like um, Adderall. That was something really big. But I never had a push to go do that with the other kids, to fit in, to... Um, you know, I wasn't pressured to deal with all that stuff because I sat down and ate with my parents. Our whole family got together and there was that community, that welcoming. That's the same word uh, and the same idea that Jesus has here. That welcoming, that familial setting, that loving on one another, sitting there enjoying the meal together. That's what it's talking about. There's power in community, in, in loving one another. And here... The Pharisees aren't seeing it at all. Um, so Jesus, in seeing through uh, his father's eyes and feeling what his uh, father's heart was feeling, he knew that he needed to go out have a meal with these people. Um, and naturally, those who were uh, they saw themselves as sinful were compelled by this. That sounds awesome. If your entire life, the Pharisees have been telling you, you are unclean, you're not allowed to walk in these certain streets, you're not allowed into the the temple, you have to wash your hands, and there is this very outward expression of, you're not welcome here. You need to clean yourself, you need to bathe yourself, because you can't even come in. You are disgusting. That was the Pharisees' idea. So when Jesus says, no, come, come sit with me, you are loved. This is this is who actually this is who my father is. That was interesting. That was compelling. Instead of pushing people away, Jesus was pulling people in. So here, um, these these sinners they wanted to leave their lives. They wanted to change. They had ears to hear and eyes to see. Um, the last sermon that I preached, I started out with a prayer, um, which I forgot to do. Um, whoops! But we can say that now. Um, a a short little prayer that uh, I picked up from a, a church that I used to go to in Colorado and that is just simply Lord give me ears to hear and eyes to see in this message and then we ask each individual person to pray for the person sitting next to them maybe that's across the aisle maybe that's the person that they came to church with but Lord let your spirit speak to them as you are speaking to me open their ears to hear and eyes to see because Really, everything that I say doesn't actually matter. Every word that I speak only matters if the Spirit is speaking through me. And even if I screw something up, if I flub some words here and there while I'm reading through Scripture, the Holy Spirit is still speaking, able to speak through you if you are able to listen. So, um, we'll just go back to that. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me. Um, but anyways, these, these sinners, they had ears to hear. When, when Jesus was speaking out these parables, he had just previously spoken about um, all kinds of different things, humbling yourself um, in the previous chapter in Luke 14. And the Pharisees didn't get it at all, not even a little. They were thinking, oh yeah, absolutely, those sinners need to humble themselves. We're righteous. We understand this. They are not good. But we are. That's how they heard that. That's incorrect. The sinner is understood. So, uh, we're going to go to uh, verses 3 and 4 of Luke chapter 15. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Jesus here is showing to them giving an obvious story, how obvious is it that a shepherd would go after that one? The shepherd would go out and look until he found it. This wasn't like, ah, I looked for like 10 minutes, didn't find it. It would be fine. Which to us sounds a little interesting. Uh, I feel like if I had 100 sheep to watch over and I lost one, I did 99%. That was pretty good. (laughs) If I got 99% on a test, I'd be I'd be pretty solid. I'd be pretty happy about that. But here, he's showing this, this good shepherd goes out relentlessly until he finds that one. And then we go here to uh, verse 5. When he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He doesn't make it walk back. He picks it up, puts it on his shoulders, and takes it back, praising the entire way home. Verse 6, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And this one, if you didn't go, then you didn't understand the context there. He's speaking directly to the Pharisees right there. I don't care if you call yourself righteous. These people who really need it, there is much rejoicing. I love it that these people are coming up to see me. These people who want that community, I'm not just telling them, all right, go get clean over there. Because in in the old temple, there was actually a cleaning basin and you had to clean yourself. There was a very outward showing. All right, I'm clean. And the priest could say, Actually, you didn't clean behind your ears. You got to go do it again. The whole thing. Here, Jesus is saying that doesn't matter. I will pick you up. You're muddy, and uh, you know maybe it took him a couple of days to find them. They're scrawny, hungry. Picks them up, tired, puts them on the shoulders. That is what he's talking about. And. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Uh, That hurts. I feel for those Pharisees. They weren't seeing it. They didn't hear. But here, again, Jesus is focusing on that one. Our focus needs to be on the one. If that's where God's heart is, how much more should ours be? Jesus here brings forward this idea that the one who is lost, when that one is found, it is so much more joyful. One of the primary pushes of the modules that our church has been doing, led by Elder Sam, um, it's called 24 to Double, is strengthening our church, not with numbers, but with that one individual person. It's about inviting those to hear the message, it's about discipling, it's about inviting that community. I mean, sure, it'd be cool if we were packed so far that we couldn't move. But if all of them are those righteous people that feel like they are above, it doesn't matter to them. That's useless. That's not what we want at all. We want those who need to hear, those who are uh, pushing themselves to hear, pushing through the crowd to hear from God. Those are the people that we're talking about. Those are the people that really strengthen a church. Those are the people that go out and disciple themselves. That's, that's the key to a healthy church. That's the key to a healthy family. That's what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to commune with each other. He's asking us to go out and commune with others. That's God's heart. And Jesus is showing the, the Pharisees that it's obvious that you would go after the one. Because everyone of those people has a name. Everyone has a face. Those people you walk by in the supermarket, those people that you see at work, people passing you on the highway, that person that you'll never see again that drove through here from Connecticut, you'll never see them again, but that person has a name and a face, and God cares about that person that just drove past you on the highway. You might not have even seen them. You just saw their car. That person, Jesus died for that specific person that just passed by you. That's cool to me. He wants uh, you to get to know that person too. He wants that person to know him and he's given us that unique responsibility to be involved in that process. We can learn that person's name. We can learn that person's face. We can talk to them. Uh, Maybe not the person driving on the highway. Don't flip a U-turn on the highway to go chase after somebody from Connecticut. That's bad. (laughs) Um, But... You know, those people that are, we do interact with, those are important to God. Um, and also having the ability to share in that joy. The the shepherd, when he gets home, he calls his friends together. It's not just the shepherd rejoicing. God is not the only one when we, when we talk to somebody who gets to be excited. We get to be excited too. We get to share in his joy with them. He calls his friends together and he has a party. That's what we get to be a part of. I feel like that's awesome. God is not up there saying, all right, cool, you did your job. Okay, good. Now go out and find another sheep. No, we get to share in that. We get to have that joy. Now here, it's, it's kind of cute that he, he refers to us as sheep. If you know a little bit about sheep, um, they're, they're really dumb, <laughs> really dumb. Um, one of the interesting things, why sheep get lost so often, they graze, so they've got their heads down. Sorry, the mic is going to be super loud for this. Sorry, Josh. They've got their heads down, and they just kind of look for grass. Oh, I found another grass over here. And then they wander away. Meanwhile, the herd's over there, they're not doing anything. They're just kind of doing whatever, following the shepherd. This one, actually, I found a little bit of grass over here. Munch on that. Ooh, I found a patch over here. And they munch on that. If you're looking down, sorry for those online, I kind of walk it all over the place. If you're looking down, you can't tell where the shepherd is leading you. And eventually, you look up. Hey, where'd everybody go? You've eaten all of the patches of grass that you can find, and now you're just nowhere. What do you do with that? That's us. We get so ingrained in what we're looking at, and we lose sight. Even for us Christians, it's very difficult for us to ignore some of those little things that you know, pop up here and there. I serve as an uh, accountability partner uh, for a few men, and pornography is such a difficult thing, especially now that it's free and online and everywhere. It's so easy to get temptation even just driving past a billboard. And in that, there is, it's so easy to Again, like, ooh, patch of grass. You get distracted. You start moving towards that. Because we think that that's going to satisfy us. Here, (laughs) God is comparing us to sheep because it's so easy to do that. Now, that's uh, a very specific problem to some of those guys that I was talking to, and something that I've even struggled with. It's It's not an easy temptation to overcome something that's kind of deeply ingrained in us to want to feel that that love and that care. And pornography is an easy way to kind of fake that. But in talking to these accountability partners that, you know, I serve for, they start to understand in this process, you know, I've gotten here, I've been doing this for years, and I still feel empty they realize all of the patches of grass that they followed didn't actually take them anywhere. And now they're stuck. So that's what Jesus is talking about when he's comparing us to sheep, that's, if that gives you an idea. He, he still thinks very highly of us, obviously. He goes out for that one. But there's an understanding. We don't see the whole picture. We get very focused on what's going on on earth, and we forget about the spiritual context, and we get lost. It's very easy for us to get lost. So there's an understanding there that Jesus has. You can almost see him smiling as he's comparing us to sheep. Oh, he got lost again. (laughs) That's okay. I'll go out and find you. It's fine. You You can almost hear that as he's talking there. But, At the same time, there's also that little pinprick that he's giving the Pharisees. Even though you feel that you're righteous, you just happen to be the sheep that was in the middle of that clump. You didn't get distracted because all of the other sheep were pushing you towards the right direction. Good for you, but you know, that one that got lost, I care about him too. I want all of you guys together. So just keep that in mind. Um, as, we're, as we're walking through. Um, ultimately, we want to get to um, where it talks in Psalms that the still, clear waters and the uh, green pastures, that's where Jesus is taking us. But if we constantly go after those tiny little patches of grass that we think are going to satisfy, if we keep following those uh, you know, patches of grass till we think we're going to find this, something amazing that's going to ful- fulfill us, We're not going to get there by ourselves. So here, when we look at this, um, oops, skip down. Um, Here, it is very easy um, to maybe forget that because we are supposed to be in that shepherd role as well, we're supposed to be going out um, it can also be hard for us to remember to catch up with other people. Some of those people that God maybe maybe brings to your mind, uh, sometimes it's very difficult to remember. Oh yeah, that's right. You know what? I haven't talked to that person. I said that I was going to call him this week. I said that I was going to, you know, have a meal with them. Life got a little busy. It's fine. You know, whatever. Uh, it reminds me of when I was a kid. Now. I had ADD, ADHD when I was a kid. Um, Mostly grew out of that. One of the wonders of growing up. Um, But one of the things that I used to do was, uh, ooh, pretty color. And I'd walk over there. Or, uh, you know, I'd see like Lucky Charms. I didn't have sugary uh, cereal as a kid. So I'd be like, oh, Lucky Charms. And I'd reach up, mom would say, no. Okay. ooh, Cocoa Pebbles, and then I'd sit there and imagine what it would be like to have Cocoa Pebbles. Meanwhile, mom had already gone down the other end of the aisle, and she'd gone to the next one, and uh, I'm six years old, sitting there. Ah. Now, my mom has four kids. I am the oldest. When she would go to the next aisle and you know, get busy, because my sisters, who are twins, she had two babies at this point, She was a little bit more worried about them crying and stuff like that. She figured, you know, I was going to be following along. Got in the car, packed up all the groceries, and started to leave, and realized, in looking in the rearview mirror, one, two, three, one, two, three, four. Oh, no. So she parks the car and goes back. I'm sure this has all happened to you guys. You've forgotten a kid or whatever. But she didn't say, you know what, it's fine. I've got three of the four kids. That's 75%. I passed. No, she loved me. Thank the Lord. (laughs) So she went back and found me. And I have never understood this because I've never been a parent. But I have gotten that close to an understanding when... You know, my dog goes off and does something stupid, or he gets lost, and he comes back, and I want to love him so much and also slap him. (laughs) Fortunately, Jesus doesn't have that, and we need to understand that too, of that 75% isn't good enough. We still love and care. We might be a little frustrated that our kid went off and, and tried to go find some sugary cereal or whatever, um, but we are also supposed to have that joy when we, when we find them. And for some of you who are parents, that might make a little bit more sense. For some of us who are not parents, I mean, it, you still get the idea, as your parents love on you, as they care for you, you can kind of relate that to the people that God has put you in discipleship over. That same idea, hey, I haven't called that person in like a week or two. Or I got really busy and I haven't thought about them in a while. Let me give them a call. That same idea, you don't just say, well, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. I'll, you know, I'll call them eventually. No, if God, puts, if God has put that person's name and face in your memory, give them a call. If they're busy, leave a message. Shoot them a text. They'll respond to it when they can. That's a lot easier for me to say, but, you know, texting is kind of in my my wheelhouse. Send them an email if you need to. That, that works for some of my friends. They don't respond to texts, but if I send them an email, they'll shoot one right back within an hour. So, whatever that is, that's what we need to do. We need to have that same understanding as my mom had for me when I got lost. And the same heart that God has for us. Um, and in this, uh, as as Jesus is kind of talking about this, he brings up another parable. And this is the silver coin. So, this is going to start in verse 8. Um, again, Jesus is speaking to, uh, the, the sinners have come to be Closer to him. They've pushed through the crowd. He's speaking to a large crowd at this point. And the Pharisees are kind of over in there talking amongst themselves, kind of laughing at Jesus doing whatever he's doing. And more and more people keep gathering as he's preaching these parables. And here in verse 8, he says Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house? and search carefully until she finds it. So for those of us who aren't parents, and maybe don't know the, the beauty and wonderful and preciousness of having a child, um, that that silver coin, that's like 150 or $200 in today's money. If you lose 200 bucks and it's just somewhere in the house, you don't say, well, it'll turn up eventually. I'll figure it out. No. This woman... She goes through the house, sweeping carefully, checking under the couch, lifting it up, maybe checking behind a painting, who knows? It's 200 bucks, I don't care, I'm looking everywhere. <laughs> that same idea, that's, that's what he's talking about. Then in verse 9, when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's the key. Over one sinner who repents, there is joy in the presence of angels. The whole of heaven, when someone repents of their sin, is in uproar, in joyous uproar. And we get to share in that. But also, it's just over one. One person. Something interesting that I was talking about. We have, a, we have a pretty open work environment. We pray on Mondays, and we have some pretty open conversations about whatever, the differences between Armenianism and Calvinism, and which one's right. That's a little bit in the weeds. I won't get into that. But some of the fun stuff that we talk about is how amazing is it to understand the heart of God to know if you, 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 were the only sinner on the earth, just you, Jesus would have come and sacrificed his life for you. You specifically. You specifically. Me specifically. That's it. That's all that Jesus needed. My sin he died for. That blows my mind. That recontext, recontextualizes that idea. Oftentimes, when I grew up in the church, that was something very big for me. So I heard that over and over and over. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Yeah, well, he died for everybody else, too. Uh-oh. Whatever. When I understood, no, he died for me specifically, Not all those other people, though he did do that too. But me. When I made it personal, when I understood that even though there was the 99 sheep over there and I was lost, Jesus came specifically for me. That blew my mind. That is the heart of God. That is the one who is after us. That is the one who is with us right now. That is the one who encourages us be disciples. That is the one who loves and cares for us and has something more for us and actually has that fulfillment that we need. That is God's heart. Amen. And with that, I'd like to close in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much. It's so easy for us to feel separated from you. It's so easy for us, especially now, to feel separated from your community. But we come here today not just to listen to music, to listen to some guy speak words at us, but to enjoy your community, to enjoy your love, to understand your heart for us, to know that you love and care for us, That you are joyous when we come back to you. That you're excited every day to talk to us, to hear our stories, to listen to us cry about our day, to hear us be happy about something that happened. You cared deeply for us, and you died for us, and we thank you so much for that we ask that as we go out this week that you would continue to remind us of our place as your disciples as well. That once we are found, that our job isn't done. That you have given us the joy and the right to go out and search for the lost with you. That we get to share in the wondrous excitement that party up in heaven when those that we know are also up there. We thank you so much, Lord. And for those of you who uh, may need to accept Christ into your heart that haven't already, um, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Uh, You can... Follow along in prayer with me. Lord, I thank you so much. Jesus, your sacrifice for me, your love for me, is more than enough. Lord, I ask that you would forgive my sins, that you would be Lord over my life, that you would give me that fulfillment that I so desire that I have not been able to find. Let your life uh, be a testament to me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, as we leave, um, I would uh, uh, ask that you guys would you know, mask up and uh, don't, uh, don't talk to people on your way out. <coughs> definitely do talk to people on your way out. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of with everything going on, we need to be careful and, you know, not encourage everybody to be part of community and, you know, social distancing and all that. So, you know, as a church, we ask that you, you not do that, but uh, also definitely do that. Thank you, everyone. Go in peace and be blessed. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.